Hey buds, welcome to Do the Heart Work, my podcast devoted to freeing our creativity, engaging our senses, and enlivening our understanding of what it means to be human. I'm your host, Sydney Fletcher. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. If you're listening to this on a Monday or Tuesday, I hope you're having a really great start to the week. If you're listening to this later in the week, then I hope you've had a great week. And I'm actually very, very excited about bringing to you today's topic. But before I dive into it, I just wanted to share some gratitude and appreciation to all of you who have taken the time to listen to the first few episodes. We're on episode five now, which feels like somewhat of a milestone. I feel like this is when things get really, uh, it's like if part of my French shit is going to hit the fan internally in my brain, it's at this point when the excitement of starting something has worn off and now it's just about being consistent. So if you showed up a week ago to see if I had uploaded something new and were sorely disappointed, I apologize. Um, It's like learning how to walk, right? You stumble and you fall and then you get back up. And there's some irony behind that and behind the message of this particular episode, and I'll circle back to that at the end, but I just really wanted to thank you all and share my gratitude for your ears and your brains and um, this opportunity to connect with all of you. So thus far with the trajectory of where we've been and where we're going, We've talked about creativity, how we're all creative. We've also talked about living from heart and living authentically the life that you, excuse me, want to be living. And the three steps that I think it takes to do that. The first step being taking stock of your thoughts, kind of like a thought inventory. The second step being nurturing your nervous system, which is actually where we're going today. And then the third step, making clear and conscious decisions. Last week, we dove into the role of our thoughts. So we dove into step one, taking stock of our thoughts and explored how our thoughts play with our ability to respond to our lives and create intentionally, and how they also play with our reactivity to life, where we tend to create more unintentionally. So that's really what we were looking at, why it's important, because if we want to live an intentional life, we need to pay attention to what our our thinking is doing. And this week I wanted to talk about the nervous system and how the state of our nervous system can impact our lives, can impact our thoughts. 
and can impact our experience. And this particular topic excites me because there will be a bit of storytelling and I'll also weave in some science on a very basic level. But I love learning about my internal systems. I love learning about my body. It's one of the things that as somebody who's very passionate about yoga, it's one of the things I loved so much about yoga was I got to learn so much about my body and the mechanics of my body and the function of my body. And that knowledge started as this curiosity around the physical body, but then it also started as I got deeper into learning that and understanding it, I started to see not only the physical mechanics, but the psychological mechanics of my body and how the psychological and the physical interact with each other. And this is where I get really, really nerdy and excited because it's so fascinating and you really start to make a lot of sense of things that have happened, are happening, and could happen when you start to understand these mechanical or the mechanical reciprocity between your psychological systems and your physical systems. So today I wanted to start with a personal story. I think it's one you'll all be able to relate to in some way or another, or at least that's my hope. This story that I'm about to tell is to help us understand the nervous system and how it plays into our experience of life and how an event can impact our nervous system. So that's where we're going with this. I just thought I would throw that in so that you understand why I'm telling you this story. So about 10 years ago, I was in a relationship that was kind of plummeting to its end. My partner and at the time, and I had been together for about five years at that point, and we still loved each other very much. But we were no longer living well together. But during the last few months of our togetherness, I had a diabetic seizure in the middle of the night. I'm a type 1 diabetic, which means that I rely on insulin injections to keep me alive and to keep my blood sugars in balance. And it is a balancing act between making sure that I have enough sugar in my blood, but not too much sugar in my blood. And so on this particular occasion, basically my blood sugar had dropped to a dangerously low level. And I had woken up enough to start the process of getting juice to bring my glucose back up. But I had to walk to the kitchen to do so. And so on my way to the kitchen, which also involved stairs, I started seizing. And... I don't remember a heck of a lot from that moment outside of um, waking up quite deliriously with Oliver, my boyfriend at the time, putting a juice box straw in my mouth, my now broken toe throbbing, 
and paramedics walking up the stairs. I'm sure poor Ollie could probably recount a lot more from the occasion. Um, But while the event itself was not much for my memory books, that event, the traumatic fallout of it was something else entirely. And one of the biggest things that that event affected as the days and weeks and months progressed was my sleeping. Sleeping was the scariest part of my day because that's when this event happened. It felt like there was a lot out of my control when I went to sleep, so I avoided it like the plague. And when bedtime came, and even throughout the day, I was riddled with anxiety attacks, which feel basically the same for me as having low blood glucose. So I never knew if I was just having anxiety or if my blood sugars were dropping. And I would just go into this sort of panic. There was a lot happening for me internally as me and my poor body processed that event and navigated through the fallout of it. And there was also a lot happening externally as my boyfriend and I tried to navigate the rocky waters of our relationship. So on the outside, he and I were confronting the idea of ending our relationship. And then this impact of the seizure was kind of keeping us hanging on longer um, until we finally decided that it was time to split And I decided to move out. And we tried to keep working on things once I moved out, but eventually we ended things. There was a lot to be excited about during this time. Really, I had a career that was going well. And I had just graduated a couple of years prior from university and... Felt like I was in a good place career-wise. Those pieces seemed to be moving in the right direction. I use air quotes around that right word. (laughs) And I now had my own place, which was something I'd always wanted to have the experience of. But I was not enjoying myself. I was sensing and facing my aloneness straight on feeling very lonely and feeling quite unsafe because now no one was there if my blood sugar dropped and no one would know if I went unconscious. And so because of that, I would sleep in two-hour intervals, often getting four hours of sleep at night if I was lucky. Now, I could have moved in with a roommate, but I knew that if it weren't for this incident, I would want to be living on my own. And so I was really trying to persevere through that. 
but running on very little sleep. I no longer exercised because I was afraid of how it would impact my levels. And it was always a go-to for stress as well. So my stress reliever was no longer my stress reliever. If I worked late, I would panic at being alone in a big corporate office. Apparently, that's not where I wanted to die. (laughs) I would take the long way home rather than the highway, just in case I needed to pull over and test my blood sugar. Every move I made was thought out and determined according to this newfound stress I had around my fear of dying, around my mortality. And any time my blood sugar levels moved in a downward way, even if they weren't technically low, I would feel things in my body and enter into a panic response. My hair started falling out rapidly. And Ollie and I even started having some codependency issues. He was worried about me and calling me numerous times throughout the day to make sure I was alive. And I would call him when I would start to panic. And this went on for about six to eight months. I was a tiny sliver of who I knew myself to be. And I was clinging to my aliveness while also hating my life. And when I had some regular blood work done, no surprise, my cortisol levels were considerably high. Thankfully, when it comes to these low points in life, and I consider this one of my low points, it was a very, very scary time for me. There just always seems to be a breaking point. And for me, it's kind of strange because I don't know what made me do this. I don't remember it super clearly, but I know there was a point in time where I thought, I can't do this anymore. I need help. I need to figure out how to help myself. And I knew that stress was the problem. And so for some reason, one day I was drawn to a particular yoga studio in town in Toronto that I had been to a handful of times. And what's truly odd about this is that this studio was on the complete opposite end of town. But I knew that they had something called restorative yoga, and that sounded like something that I needed. And so I went onto their website and I read the description and then I signed up for a class. And for the next few weeks, I began a new weekly habit of attending this class. And it was a class like nothing I had ever allowed myself to do before. I was always very active. I was an athletic kid. I liked team sports. I also had some issues around my body and so exercise was the way that I combated with my thoughts around my body is I would exercise and if I wasn't in a class that was intense enough I always felt like it was a waste of time. I often skipped shavasana if I did go to an active yoga class and here I was going to a class that only involved resting. A class where I would lie on my mat 
prop myself on pillows and blankets and blocks in a select very few shapes. There were about four shapes per class. To do these different breathing and energetic exercises that felt very weird to me at the time and very woo-woo. They made me uncomfortable. (laughs) Sometimes I would drift into something remotely similar to sleep. Sometimes I would cry. Sometimes I would quietly bawl my eyes out under a blanket but I always left feeling nurtured and supported. And somehow, some way, I started to feel better, like myself again. My anxiety started being less anxious, and I started to regain trust in both myself and my body. My cortisol levels became more regulated, My courage and my conviction and my independent spirit were strengthened and I began to find my way back to my life. This is just one example of how important it is to nurture our nervous system. And I know not everyone goes through a situation like a seizure, but I think everyone can relate to something like a breakup or a sudden shift in your life, like a job loss, or a grief, the loss of a loved one. I think everyone can relate to feeling overwhelmed by all of life's demands and expectations. And I think everyone can relate to feeling stressed out. What can be hard to remember at times like this is that We are humans. We are not robots. And yet, during times of overwhelm, stress, unwellness, change, transition, we can often expect ourselves to function like we would when things are going well, when we're not overwhelmed. We expect to be able to keep moving at the same pace and work at the same intensity. We expect ourselves to just push through and get over it. And often we don't see any other option. It can feel like this is just what we have to do. We have to persevere. We have to push through. We have to keep going. We can't stop. That if we stop for a moment, if we give ourselves space, all the balls we're juggling are going to fall to the ground. And we won't have anything. And what I have learned through a few raw, tender, and unfortunate episodes in my life, like the one that I just shared, is that it's quite the opposite. And I'm not here to convince you of any of this, but I am here to share a bit of the understanding I have and even a wee bit of the science behind it. So... Let's dive into that science, shall we? The nervous system is our internal communication system. 
and it's made up of the brain and the spinal cord and all the nerves of your body. And this internal communication system is what allows you to take action or inaction. It controls the movements, every movement of our body. The state of our nervous system affects everything we do, like breathing and moving and digesting, any organ function, reproduction, and circulation. The nervous system even affects what we think and how well we can feel and sense the world around us. And also feel and sense the world inside of us. It's also the system in our bodies devoted to survival. And therefore, it's constantly assessing our level of physical and emotional safety. As our nervous system assesses our level of safety, it determines how to direct the energy within the body. So from a highly oversimplified, but I think useful viewpoint, stress reads to our nervous system as possible danger and therefore action. I'm going to say that again. Stress reads to our nervous system. Our nervous system picks up stress and reads it as possible danger and therefore action. We can think of words like being on alert, protect, attack, run, hide, defend. These are all words that we could relate to stress and to how our nervous system acts upon stress. On the other side, relaxation reads to our nervous system as safety. So when we feel calm and at peace and relaxed, our nervous system will see that as we're safe. And we can equate that to words like rest, digest, process, feel. Our bodies have um, a limited supply of energy. So one of the things that I think is important to understand in relation to the nervous system is the energy of our body. Our bodies have a limited supply of energy at any given time. So our nervous system is always trying to decide where to direct that limited energy. When we feel stress our nervous system devotes its attention to the outside world and allows energy to move outward towards external activity like running, fighting, holding still, anything that we need to do externally so that we can survive through the stress. When we are in a relaxed state, our nervous system allows energy to come back in, to be devoted to the inner activities of the body, things like digestion and reproduction and circulation. 
when we lean far towards the external energy output, towards that stress response, towards the doing, the external doing, we end up taking away from the inner processing of food, oxygen, sensations, thoughts, and emotions. Our blood is sent away from certain functions of the brain that aren't necessary in that moment and towards our limbs for action. We can act unthoughtfully and unconsciously. We act more reactively and more unconsciously. So for example, let's say you're at home lying in bed, you smell smoke and your fire alarm goes off. You want that stress response to kick in and you want it to kick in quick because you want to get the hell out of there and you have limited reserves of energy in your body. So you want that energy to go to your muscles so that you can get out of the house. You want to act fast and you want to move yourself quickly to the nearest exit. You don't want your brain assessing all of the things deciding you want to take action and get to safety quickly you're not worried about what you ate for dinner and making sure that that was processed properly in your body because that's not integral to your survival in that moment your ability to connect deeply and profoundly with another human is not necessary to your survival in that moment. You just need to get to safety. So this is something that I have found really integral to understanding. Stress impacts our brains. And what we have found through research is that it literally shrinks parts of our minds that are necessary for creativity, human-to-human connection, rational thought, problem-solving, and decision-making. Because these activities of the mind are not necessary for our survival in that given moment of unsafety. It's not so impactful on our brains when it's these one-off scenarios But what happens when we have chronic stress, it's like we are asking our nervous system to respond all the time in this way. Our nervous system is constantly seeing threats. Our bodies are constantly sending energy outwards rather than inwards. And it impacts us in A lot of ways it impacts our physical body because if your energy isn't being devoted to digestion when you need to digest food, you're probably not getting the nutrients that you need for longevity. When your heart is constantly having to beat fast so that it can send blood to your extremities, it's asking a lot of your heart we're overexerting our our internal organs to supply us with the demands of the external world because the nervous system impacts the brain 
When my body doesn't feel supported, it impacts my brain and my thoughts in big ways. It's much more likely for me to have a thought like, I can't do this. I'm just going to give up. Why does this always happen to me? My life sucks. (laughs) I'm lonely. It's much more likely for me to have those kinds of thoughts when my body feels depleted of essential care. And it makes sense. I'm literally less resilient on a cellular level. I have less energy to use. And so the threats to my nervous system feel that much more imminent. When I take care of myself, and specifically my body, it shows up in my brain and my thoughts. I have much more resilient thoughts. I have thoughts that allow me to be more persistent. I remember what's important to me. I fuel myself forward with the things that I'm thinking. This is why it's so easy to get into these downward spirals of negative thinking once we get into that loop. When we're not feeling well, when we're sick, it's much more easy to have thoughts like this is never going to end, I'm going to be sick forever, I'll never feel better. And then that just sends that communication back down into our body. And so we get into this loop of negativity. So we can affect this negative loop, we can affect our resiliency, we can affect our ability to connect to ourselves and to what's truly important by connecting to our nervous system, taking care of our bodies, taking care of our thoughts, paying attention to our thoughts. That is another way to nurture your nervous system is to remember that your Thoughts are not you, and that they are simply sentences in your mind that can be questioned. Not all your thoughts are truth. That's an important thing to remember. Not all of your thoughts are truth. So if we want to affect change on our creative capacity as individuals, on our ability to create our lives, then it's important to affect change on the way we think. And if we want to affect change on our minds and the way that we think, then we, it's also necessary to affect change on the way we nurture and care for our nervous systems, for our brains and our bodies. Otherwise, we're fighting an uphill battle. To nurture our nervous system, what we're really doing is teaching our nervous system how to trust us. We're showing our brain and body that we can take care of it. That we're going to support it. And when our nervous system can trust us, we will have a much more pleasant and supported experience of getting to where we want to go and being in the life we want to be in. We will be working on the same team as our brain and our body. I have a coach who refers to this as partnering with your nervous system, and I love that thought. We can start to think of ourselves as our own allies. 
And I have a great example of this from my life from just this past week in relation to this very podcast. I had anticipated and had intended to get this podcast out for all of you a week ago. However, during that week, I had family visiting. I had my second dose of my vaccine for COVID. And we also had a record-breaking heat wave. So I found myself getting into that similar spiral, which I know so well, which is you have to get this episode done. You promised yourself you would put this out weekly. You're a failure if you don't get this out on time. You'll never be successful if you keep doing shit like this. Why do you even try? You should quit now. (laughs) Just, you suck at doing podcasts. Just stop. Just, Just don't do it. These were all the thoughts that were going on in my head at the time. And I have a lot of practice of working with my thoughts. But they still love to try and take me down. And so I was watching these thoughts happening and I could see myself wanting wanting to succumb to the seduction of these awful, awful thoughts. But I took stock of them and I recognized them for what they were. And then I looked at my nervous system. My dear, sweet nervous system, which is always just trying to keep me alive. And I saw how hard it was working. It was managing work and guests. It also had a foreign invader in its body and was feeling very unwell. And it was working so hard to regulate my temperature in such an intense heat wave. And I looked at these things that were happening and I showed my nervous system some loving care. Because the truth is, I can wait a week to get a podcast episode out. My body deserves a break. The skies will not come crashing down. My success is what I make it to be. And one week will not kill the success of my life. And so it was important for me to allow all of those negative, nasty thoughts to be there, to hang out, to know that they are part of my nervous system. They are a natural response from my nervous system as it's trying to protect me, but I don't need to listen to them. I can show them some compassion and I can choose to think other thoughts. Like, my body's important to me and I want to take care of it. And so that's exactly what I did. I had a lot of rest when I needed to rest. I took stock of the minimal things, the things that were absolutely necessary 
the essential things that I needed to do that week for my business and for my life. And I put everything else to the side, including recording this. I drank lots of water. I got lots of sleep. And it felt very loving and supportive to myself. I'm going to leave you with that. I want you to take a moment to check in with your own nervous system. Are you in a negative loop? Do you feel overwhelmed, stressed out, frustrated? If so, ask yourself, what can I do to show my body some love? How can I partner with my nervous system so that it can start to trust that I will take care of it? How can you give your body a break? I hope you found this helpful and there will be lots more along the the lines of this topic. I also have a special bonus episode that I'll be releasing later this week. That is a tool for nurturing your nervous system. It's specifically the tool of breath work. And I have maybe the easiest breathing exercise you could find that I'll be sharing with you. Outside of that, I hope you have a great week and that you all take really good loving care of yourselves. It sounds corny, but it's necessary. And I love you. Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Hey, are you ready to start building your most heartfelt, authentic, and free life possible? If so, I would love to help you. I want to personally invite you to book a free consult where we can talk about where you're at, where you'd like to be, and all the things that you think are getting in the way. Please head to sydneyfletcher.com to book. And let's talk about it.